Hi, I'm Cassie, host of the Curiosity Junkie podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button to follow us and receive new episodes each week. If you really enjoy the podcast and you're feeling generous, please hit the donate button. We work hard to create original content and keep the podcast ad-free. Today's guest is a therapist who has found innovative and holistic ways that support growth, brain reorganization, and self-connection. Please welcome Patrice Flanagan Morris. Hi, Patrice. Welcome to the Curiosity Junkie podcast. Hi, Cassie. Thanks for having me today. Yes, I'm so excited to talk to you about two things. One, perfectionism, and we're going to start with that. And then two, brain spotting, because I had never heard of it before. So I'm so excited to learn more about that. But first, let's dive into perfectionism. What is it? What causes it? Why do we get so obsessed? Yeah, um, perfectionism is one of the main kind of focus populations that I have, um, probably become, because I come from a very perfectionistic background. And so what I, I know what it's like to feel almost paralyzed by the decisions you have to make. And so when you're really struggling with perfectionism, you usually have very high standards of yourself. You expect yourself to achieve goals faster and doing it better than anybody around you. Um, A really big telltale sign is, you know, would you expect a close friend to do these things that you're trying to accomplish in this amount of time? So the really high standard and then a focus on results over kind of the process itself. So we get really outcome focused of if this doesn't happen this way, that basically means I've failed. Mm -hmm. There's a big part of perfectionism is the highly critical kind of state that we live into. Uh, We beat ourselves up for any mistake that we make, any misstep. It's really hard to learn from mistakes. They almost come up and then they almost become paralyzing to us. Our worth quickly gets tied to that outcome. And so if we don't meet that outcome, it's basically like we're a failure. Right. Are there like levels to perfectionism or different types? Yeah. I mean, so perfectionism really happens on a, it's a continuum, right? So I think most things in life are not like you have it or you don't. Um, But when we talk about perfectionism, we break it down. There's really kind of two types of perfectionists. And so there are overachievers and then underachievers. Mm -hmm. So the perfectionist who struggles with overachieving basically piles their plate so full, takes on everything, is constantly busy. You know, that self-doubt that breeds in perfectionism is basically like you have to prove to yourself that this isn't right. And so we are just like constantly going. And the struggle with the overachievers is they're often validated too for overachieving. And I'm an overachiever perfectionist. One of my red flags that I'm falling into kind of that perfectionistic tailspin is my schedule just all of a sudden gets stacked. And usually overachievers tend to stack a bunch of stuff up because then we don't have to connect in with ourselves and we don't have to sit with that fear of failure. It's really uncomfortable shame. And so we're like, Anything I can do to stay out of that is golden. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I can, I can see that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and then we have the underachievers. And so the underachievers, 
tend to be the high procrastinators and it's almost this you want to do it right absolutely right and you almost get paralyzed as you're trying to do it because you're so worried that it's not going to turn out right that you're going to be a failure that um, everybody's going to see all of the mistakes that you've made that you kind of shut in and shut down and so you just stop moving and that fear of failure becomes so big so fast it just gets very dark very cloudy and we just kind of sit still and hope that it passes and underachievers are often labeled sometimes with things like laziness and unmotivated and stuff like that you know when you think about perfectionists you don't really think about that side of things but when i've been working with people and i explain this under underachieving all of a sudden they're like oh my god i am a perfectionist i just i'm just not like the you know, I'm just going to keep going, 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 going kind of person. It just like gets so big so fast. And that fear of failure and that fear of not being enough becomes so overpowering that I get completely shut down and stuck. Wow. Okay. And that makes perfect sense. I can, I can see that. And I, in the back of my head, I'm like, well, I kind of relate to that, but I kind of relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a combo. I don't know. <laughs> no. Okay. That's pretty cool. Is it, does it become a problem or can it become a problem. I don't know if problem is the right word. Like Yeah. And I mean, for both, you know, being a perfectionist pulls us so far away from our true alignment. And that's mm-hmm. really the, the struggle with it. You know, we want to call it like a, what's a problem versus not a problem, right? Is, you know, most perfectionists are still able to get their job done. They're still able to function in life, but it's kind of asking yourself, you know, is it a problem for you to be constantly living your life based on other people's standards. Mm. Um, And so, you know, when we do that, we take opportunities and we take, we open doors that are meant to please other people, are meant to show ourselves off and aren't in alignment with us. And so, you know, as perfectionism tends to grow and build and snowball, it gets bigger and bigger to all of a sudden, you know, I have a lot of people and a lot of women, especially in their 30s and 40s that hit this wall of, this isn't the life I wanted. And how did I get here? That's really where we hit this kind of wall. The earlier we can catch it, the more we can work through it so that we can make aligned decisions moving forward rather than decisions because this is going to look really good and this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. Yes. What would be somebody who's younger or a parent, what would be a way to identify that early on? Yeah, the reflections on your standards as a person are a really big cue. And then comparing them to the standards that you have for other people. Perfectionists tend to have this huge gap of like, other people can be here and they are enough. They're worth my love. Like, of course you're great. You know, we coach all of our friends and we're like, no, like who cares about that thing? Live your best life. And then for us, it's like, but I have to do all the things right. For most moms, what I see is, you know, when I meet with them, they're like, well, I would never expect so-and-so to have to take their kids to, to be at all their kids' games and to make all of the cookies and to have friends with everybody in the group. And then I'm like, okay, and then what do you expect out of yourself? And they're like, well, all of those things, obviously, or I'm a terrible mother. <laughs> and so, you know, that standards comparison is a really big tell for if you're really struggling with perfectionism or not. Okay, that's a good one. So would it be the same in a, a young adult or a child? Like, well, how would, how might it show up early, early? 
Yeah, really early kids who, you know, this is generally where a lot of perfectionism comes is actually our social um, conditioning. And so sometimes that's from, you know, the school setting uh, or just our environment. A lot of times from a really young age, it's our family. Perfectionism in kids comes up as if you have a really good quote unquote good kid. So your kid follows all the rules, they do everything to a T, they um, are always listening, they were always in line, they're hardly pushing boundaries, they're really sensitive to any kind of feedback or criticism at all. Um, you know, those are really big cues and we, we think, well, oh, your kid is just so well behaved or, oh, they're so mature for their age. And usually it's because they have this paralyzing fear of making a mistake and that they need to be this really good, perfect kid that stops them from pushing boundaries. And kids naturally learn and grow and really flourish as people to push boundaries, to test limits, to, you know, see who they're going to be moving forward, to see if that's accepted or not. That's what you'll see when they're really, really, really young. And then, you know, when we shift to 20-somethings or late teens, it usually looks like very, very high anxiety and social anxiety, all of that kind of wraps into it because it's this idea of I am not good enough as a person. And so I'm always anxious about every little thing. Okay. And that was going to be one of my questions. Is it tied to anxiety or is it a form of anxiety? So yes, it can yes. show up like anxiety. Perfectionism and anxiety are best friends. Um, anxiety is the fear of you're going to fail. And so perfectionism is the shield of, okay, I'll take care of it and let me just do everything exactly right and then it'll be fine. And so, you know, they're, they're like sitting in the background talking to each other and anxiety is like, no, I think, I really think we're going to fail this class. I think we're going to fail it. When, and then guess what? Everyone's going to look at us and they're going to they're gonna know that we shouldn't have even tried. They're going to know we shouldn't have tried. Why did we try? And so perfectionism is like, okay, we'll just stay up all night and we'll spend all day just an outrageous amount of time on a paper that, you know, if we weren't sitting in that anxious state, we would be able to crank it out. It's like three pages, but all of a sudden it takes us five hours. And so then we get judgmental and critical about the t amount of time that it's taking and perfectionism and anxiety just snowball into this huge thing that, you know, can really make us just feel like we're going to collapse in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I did not realize that they were connected and like best friends and it makes perfect sense. And yeah. as you're talking, I'm thinking about my own kids going, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jake and Kelly. <laughs> you know, and it's just a, it's just a cue to like check in and start, you know, challenging our kids to get a little uncomfortable with making mistakes and even asking, you know, how do you feel about making mistakes? And starting to teach our kids that mistakes and failing and all of that stuff are really healthy things. I mean, most of us learn more through our failures and our mistakes than we ever do from our successes. Yeah, absolutely. Hands down. It's the best way to learn because you go, oh, mm -hmm. that's not going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> what are, let's say someone's in that kind of anxiety cycle being triggered, triggered by the perfectionism. What can someone do to kind of walk themselves back from the ledge and regroup? Yeah, that first key is really awareness that it's going on, which is often really challenging for people when they're stuck in it because the beliefs are so heavy and so high. Mm -hmm. um, so what I tell people is 
a better gauge to check in with yourself is checking in with your body. Um, your body is going to tell you a lot more and you're not going to fall into the feeling as much than you will when the story starts running through your mind. So because perfectionism and anxiety are kind of showing up together, really all of a sudden you get like really warm, your hands are really sweaty, your heart's racing, your stomach tightens, your back starts to hurt, like all of those things that are showing you my body is getting into fight or flight right now what's going on? And so sometimes that's like looking at the assignment that is sitting right in front of us and kind of coaching ourselves through it. Like it's okay to be afraid. It makes sense to be afraid. And I think you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. You know, mm -hmm. all we can do is the best that we can do right now. So if coaching yourself doesn't work for a lot of people, when they're starting this out, it doesn't because right. They have such a deeply ingrained belief of not being enough that even when they say those things, they're like, and you should be able to do it better than you're doing it right now. <laughs> right. It's like, oh God. So how we kind of refocus that is we get back into the body. So how can I calm my body down? When my body calms, my mind will naturally go with it. Um, there's a lot of different ways to do that. I'm a body-based therapist. I'm all about being in your body. Deep breathing can work really well for some people. Your inhale should be longer than your exhale. Mm. Um, five finger breathing is actually one of my favorites. So you take your hand mm -hmm. and you trace up each finger. And when you, on the up, you inhale. And then once you hit the tip of your finger, you exhale. And so you go through all five. It gives you not only the breath work, but also a visualization. So it really takes a lot of your energy into this one activity. Yes. And I can see it refocusing your thoughts too, because you're not yeah. now in that cycle going on in your head. You're thinking about tracing your fingers and right. Ooh, that's a good one. Yes, exactly. That's really what we want to do is like get out of your head because the story is, you know, before you've done, and this is like where the brain spotting kind of comes in before you've done the processing of what's driving this, what's holding this, all of that stuff. The story is just going to be too powerful. It's going to suck you in. And so just don't even deal with it right now. Worry yeah. about that later for right now. Just work on like, I can call my body down. I have a couple of people that will have a couple yoga moves that mm. they do and they just do those for like five minutes and it just kind of helps reset their nervous system a little bit yes oh i, I like that a lot and they're simple things that you can just put into play fairly quickly and like you said it's sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it might not work as quickly but mm -hmm. they are that that's something someone could at least attempt on their own and you brought up brain spotting so i want to dive into that i was doing a little reading on it and i'm like oh fascinating <laughs> so let's talk about what it is because i'm sure there are a lot of people like me out there that have never heard of it before yeah brain spotting is the most amazing thing that i have found as a therapist i was in like i said i i was a highly anxious highly perfectionistic person and i was in a lot of different therapies so i tried like dbt i tried mindfulness like 
I could get none of it to stick because I would sit and my mind would just run and run and run and run and run. Mm -hmm. Um, And it got so bad that I was giving myself stomach ulcers and like dietary issues because that's what anxiety does. It pumps a bunch of acid into our stomach. I found brain spotting when I was in graduate school. One of my professors was a brain spotter and I was in a trauma counseling class. And so they talked about it there. And what brain spotting really is, is it's a mind-body therapy that works with your emotion brain instead of your thinking brain. And in working with that emotion brain, what we're doing is we are processing old narratives and old stories. We are reorganizing them in the brain. And sometimes that looks like gaining perspective on a situation, new understanding on a situation. Sometimes it's just grieving so that we can shift the past to stay in the past so it's not coming up in the present day. And in that reorganization, what we're doing is we're breaking down whatever that file is behind, I need to be perfect. And that file I tell people is like these core beliefs. So I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. If I don't do all of this stuff, I won't be loved. I'll be abandoned. And as we flip through that file, your brain is going through and reorganizing all of those pieces of paper that we're pulling out. So it no longer hangs out in that file anymore. Wow. It sounds like quite a process, is it? It's actually can be really fast in therapy terms. So, you know, when we talk about like the perfectionism and anxiety and it coming from social conditioning from a really young age, most people can't talk through that first because most of them don't know that that's where it's coming from. And second, um, because most of that lives in that lower part and that motion part of our brain. And so what brain spotting does is it kind of gives us a fast track to bypass the talking, bypass the analyzing, like we're letting it all go and we're embracing uncertainty as we like journey into this felt sense of needing to be perfect all of the time. And so we find a spot in the body that you feel it. And then we find a spot in your field of vision that you feel that the most. And it unravels pretty quickly, depending on like your level of trauma and what you've been through throughout your life will depend on the amount of time that it obviously takes to unwind some of that. But for me, five sessions and I felt a ton different. I still had a lot of that conditioning and needed to keep doing my work, but all of a sudden I could see things that I never saw before. And I had perspective I never had before. I would walk around and I'd be like, oh, I can feel that like want to jump in and take care of everybody right now. And I had a whole new opportunity to take a step back and slow down and take care of myself first. Yes. Okay. So it really kind of brings you back to the self-awareness piece. Like you really identify here's the spot or here's what's going to start happening. Yeah. It's like, it's twofold. So what I tell people with brain spotting is I've noticed that people shift through two kind of stages. The first one is increased self-awareness. So now you can do something about it. And then the second one is decreased activation. And that kind of means like you have less of that drive to get pulled in. And so where before you were at like an eight out of 10 of anxiety around this situation, now you're at like a one or a two and Mm -hmm. you can deal with a one or a two is easy compared to an eight. My people who move from an eight to a one, they're like, I don't care if this is never a zero because a one, I can go, hello, old friend. We don't need you right now. Thank you. 
and I can move forward with my day. With an eight, I'm hijacked and I cannot do anything except for think about that thing that makes me anxious. Oh my gosh, no kidding. It sounded like it's identifying place in the body where something's residing, give or take. And then you're finding a spot or a point in line of sight that mm -hmm. like triggers that or what? Yeah. So our eyes, the muscles around our eyes are connected to our optic nerve that goes directly in the back of our brain. And that's actually where our survival system is. So by using our visual field, what we're trying to do is completely bypass the thinking brain. We're like, we don't need you today, friend. We're just going to go see what's over here for right now. And so that visual field is really where that file is being held. As we process through the brain spotting process, the spot changes often because your visual field, your orientation, like the way that your brain is mapping all of that is actively changing and rewiring too. We're finding this visual spot and then we are just sinking into that feeling and really trying to be open without judgment about what it has to say and what, what's going on and what's being held there. Oh my gosh, this is fascinating. <laughs> I think your brain is amazing. And I know that its main job is to protect us and keep us safe. Yes. So it is always thinking and it's always, you know, okay, well, last time something like that happened, you know, da, 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 this was the outcome and, oh, we need to protect you. And so it does, mm -hmm. uh, constantly go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why the brain spotting process is so cool because what we're doing is we're being totally open to all of these ideas of lack of safety that our brain is categorized as such. And we are helping decrease them and reorganize them so they're not getting hit so often. Also, it helps with the integration of the top and bottom brain. So usually when we like shift into that emotion mind, our top brain like turns off really fast, especially depending on how many trauma experiences um, or adversity we've kind of faced growing up. But when we do the brain spotting, we slowly integrate. And so the top and bottom brain are able to communicate more. So when something comes up, we can actually feel it and see it and talk to it and have kind of that differentiation where we're able to pull away from it a little bit more rather than fall into it and then only see the world through the glasses of like being a perfectionist or having this anxiety. I love it. And I hope there are listeners out there going, ah, there's I, <laughs> I hope so too, because I will tell you, I, from starting brain spotting to now, I've opened my own practice. I've shifted into owning a group practice. I've like done these things that I never, I've never even dreamed about. And I never would have thought were possible for me because I was so paralyzed all the time with getting things right and being seen so much by other people that there's no way I would have like just listened to what people had said around me. And I was like, I'll just do what you say I'm supposed to do. And this is this is the path I'll take, I guess. Yeah, if you think it's good, then I'll just go that way. <laughs> <laughs> wow, congrats to you then. That's well, fantastic. Thank you. And, and I love that you've been through it personally because you can totally relate to someone coming in and what their struggle is and yes. how difficult it really is. Not like, oh, you should be able to stop that like that. <laughs> well, and that's one of my favorite things too, Cassie, about brain spotting is like that uncertainty principle. It just takes all the judgment out. When somebody mm -hmm. walks in and they're like, I'm going to tell you this really weird thing. I'm like, you don't even know the weird yeah. stuff that I've heard. Um, yeah. And, you know, they say this thing and it's like, okay, that's just how your system's organizing it. That's totally fine. 
you know, we can work with it. Whatever it is, we can work with it. Um, nothing's a problem unless we make it a problem is a big statement in brain spotting. And so it's really just like, why does this have to be a problem? It can be something we can explore. It can be something we want to change, to heal, to grow through, but that doesn't make it a problem. Right. It's almost kind of like get curious about what's going on. Yes. Curious, curious, curious. That's why I love the name of your podcast because it's (laughs) all about curiosity. Right. And I I talk to a lot of therapists and uh, psychotherapists and there's a lot of that. Like you really just have to get curious and ask questions about what's happening in in the moment. Sometimes it's difficult to do that. That's why I was fascinated with the brain spotting because I'm like, what a great tool to help someone unravel that inside of them just a little bit. Like fantastic. And that's exactly what it is. It's an unraveling to re-ravel. Um, to be more authentic, to be more aligned with yourself. And I think a lot of people get stuck in traditional talk therapy because you can be curious on a cognitive level only so far, but it's really these deep emotion brain subconscious kind of drives that cause us to have all of these actions that feel out of alignment with who we are because our subconscious brain is so much faster than our thinking brain and it will always win. And so then we do something that's out of alignment and we're like, ah, I didn't want to do that. I told, I told my therapist this week, I wasn't going to do that anymore. I was going to be more aware of it. And it just happened. And you know, that's because you have all this stuff stored in your subconscious that needs to be addressed, seen, felt, heard, and then reorganized. Yes. Oh my gosh. Fantastic. Well, what do you, how can someone connect with you? I found you on Instagram and uh, you posted something on brain spotting and I'm like, oh, what, what is that? <laughs> and I reached out immediately. So how can, how can people connect with you? Yeah. People can connect with me um, through Instagram. My handle is at habit of healing. And then also I run empowerment within LLC um, in Heartland, Wisconsin. And so you can just go to empowermentwithinllc.com. I'm on there and a few of my other therapists are on my website. And then I will in the near future adding some courses on there as well. There's actually a couple of webinars, one on brain spotting and then another one on um, empathy and self-compassion. Um, and so those are available there. Hopefully in the near future, we'll be getting some like worksheets and different courses out too. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love when um, therapists put out things that people that can't make it to therapy because there are a lot of people struggling with anxiety, perfectionism, like there's, you know, mm-hmm. the gamut that can't get therapy. And so that's one of the reasons I do this is even if someone can can know that there's something that can help them. And when you all put stuff out that are resources for people to kind of tap into and maybe just start their journey that takes them to the next step that encourages them to invest in themselves. Because sometimes that's the other problem is we could do it, but we want to put everything before ourselves. (laughs) Well, and like what a what a statement for perfectionists, you know, Um, you know, I, that's the biggest thing. I have people come in and they start getting really sidetracked with everybody else in their life. And, you know, I completely normalize that it is so much easier to put other people first than it is ourselves. It's just that like slowing down, connecting in and trying to give yourself that chance. Like you have a part of you that knows that something could be different. You could feel lighter. You could feel more connected. You could feel more full. 
and just self-aware and it's honoring that part of us and saying like this is worth it but finding somebody that's a good connection for you is really what is key because if you if you don't feel close or seen by the person sitting across from you and even when you do these workshops and these you know podcasts and stuff like that you have to feel connected to the people that you're listening to otherwise it's just like i don't know this doesn't make sense for me right right absolutely and i've been to therapy and with a couple of different therapists and um i actually had one that ate m&ms in front of me and i was like right is that normal Yes, you have to find the person that you're going to connect with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like anything we do, if there's no connection, it's going to be a struggle. Do you have um, a theory or a process that would help someone find a good therapist? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're looking for a brain spotting therapist, you can just go to brainspotting.com and click on find a therapist. So that okay. can kind of help sift some things through. Um, I encourage people to use psychology today a lot. You can also just do, I've had a lot of people actually find me just through a Google search of local therapists in their area. And the one thing I suggest for people is, you know, there's like a little bit of a process is the first one is the people you reach out to ask if they're, if they offer a free consultation. I offer a free consultation to everybody I'm going to see because you know, it's just as important for both of us to know that we're going to be a good fit or that this is going to, you know, be something that helps you progress. Um, And there's obviously only so much you can know in 10 10 to 15 minutes, but you can feel if you talk to someone, your basic script needs to be, this is what I'm struggling with. How can you help me? You listen to their response and you just check in and say, like, does this feel like what I need or do I need something different? And if you need something different, own that right then and there. Some people feel guilty, like, well, I don't want to tell them they're wrong. And it's like, you're not saying you're wrong. This is the wrong therapy. You're just saying you're not right for me. You know, and if this process is supposed to be about me and taking care of me, you're going to know in that conversation if this person is worth giving a shot to. And then you get to gauge it throughout the whole therapy process itself too. If you're having issues with your therapist, bring them up. I love when my clients are like, hey, when you said this, I didn't really get it or that didn't really make sense to me. You know, I'm like, thank you for advocating for yourself. And now we can engage in having a conversation so we can move forward from this. Right, right. Because you don't know if they're having problems unless they speak up. No, great advice. And I will put, um, I'll collect some links from the recommendations you gave and put them in the description so everybody has access to that as well as ways to connect with you. Beautiful. I'm thinking this is a good place to wrap up. I've learned so much in short amount of time. Thank you so much for having me, Cassie. It was great. I could talk about brain spotting for three hours if I really wanted to. So (laughs) I love it. Yes, yes. (laughs) I I thought it was fascinating when I started researching it. So I was super excited to share this with everybody. And thank you for taking the time to do just that with us, Patrice. I really, really do appreciate it. Beautiful. Thanks, Cassie. You bet. And to all of you, thank you so much for tuning and listening, watching. Stay safe, stay curious, and I'll see you next time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button to follow us and receive new episodes each week. If you really enjoy the podcast and you're feeling generous, please hit the donate button. We work hard to create original content and keep the podcast ad free. 